Welcome to the Steady On Stronger Together podcast. I am your host, Angie Ballman. I'm so pleased to be introducing you to today's guests, David and Krista Dunham. The Dunhams are such a gift. They are the kind of people willing to open their lives for the glory of God and the benefit of others. Today, you will hear them share how they, as a family, have experienced the heartache associated with Krista's disordered eating. Krista has been in a battle with food since before she and David were married, and as she searched for control in self-harming ways, David learned a lot about things that are and are not helpful. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with disordered eating, or if you've watched someone close to you participate in destructive behavior and have had no idea how to help them, I think today's conversation is one you'll want to hear. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community, and welcome to this Stronger Together conversation. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today, for the first time ever, guys, is a duo. Um, We have with us a couple, David and Krista Dunham, who have written a book called Table for Two, Biblical Help for Eating Disorders. Krista talks about her battle with an eating disorder. David comes alongside to talk about his role um, and what it's like to watch someone you love struggle through that. And so we're just going to unpack that a little bit for a few minutes this morning. Krista is a women's mentor and biblical counselor and develops curriculum for women's ministries. David is a pastor and biblical counselor author of Addictive Habits, Changing for Good. And you all have three kiddos. Is that right? Yes, that's right. How old are your kids? Uh, Our daughter is 13. Our son is 11. And then we have a four-year-old daughter. Oh, and so you, you guys are like in, you're in it with my kids. (laughs) My kids are 17 and 11. And I'm like, I sometimes feel like I'm more in it than I ever have been. Right. (laughs) As they're growing and changing and you all live in Michigan and um, we are just delighted. Thank you so much for being here and spending this time with us today. Well, thank you for having us. It's great to be here. I want to ask Krista first and then David, because I kind of want to ask the same question. Um, When did you realize that you were in a battle with food? What was that like as you realized something about this I'm not in control of, if I can say it that way? Yeah, I think at first it really just looked like a diet to me. Okay. Um, I had gained, you know, the, the normal freshman 15 when I went away to college and I thought that I could get an easy handle on it just by exercising a little more, um, taking out a few cappuccinos, you know, or just not having dessert as often. Um, and that seemed to, to start the process. But as I saw that those things worked, I wanted something to work more And then on top of that, I wanted something to work even more and better. And so it came to the point where I was exercising twice a day. Um, I was um, restricting myself of, you know, I would skip lunch where I had been eating lunch and dinners with, with all of my friends in the cafeteria. I would find ways to just bow out of certain meals. And at first they just didn't really um, pick up on it. Just thought I had gotten too busy, but in my mind, it was, it was an intentional, I didn't want to eat and I didn't want to eat in front of other people. Um, something that really stood out to me, um, in the process was I had been in a car accident that kind of left me really, um, overwhelmed and questioning the sovereignty of God. My Mm -hmm. SUV, slid on a patch of ice and flipped over top of a guardrail that hung about, um, 
I don't know, maybe 50 feet over a deep ravine. And as I looked over the side, you know, in those split seconds, all I had in my head was, I'm going to die. There's no way I'm going to survive this. And um, I just kind of call that my tipping point, like figuratively, literally everything. Um, when I got back to my dorm, you know, it was sometime after that. But when I really started to deal with my feelings, I, I ate all the food that I had in my dorm room and I felt the need to purge all of it. And that was the first time that I really felt like what I was doing with my food was really wrapped up in the emotions that I was having. And mm -hmm. so, um, and that's when I really felt like my diet was no longer in control by me. It was, it was controlling me. I think it's so thank you so much for sharing that, that struggle and that to be vulnerable around that and say, these are the, uh, there's so much in between I know, but these are the places where I'm like, Hey, this is what happened. And I see this and I see that uh, 11 years ago, my family and I, we were in a head on car collision and I was very broken for a season and my whole family was, and it's so interesting that you say that it, a car accident like that, because that's when the Lord really got a hold of my heart and said this, this issue of abuse that's that you've never dealt with. You've just pushed down for so long. Like while you're in this place, it, it, when we have that place, when we are in that kind of place of vulnerability, if we're willing to, I think he wants to, I know he wants to say, actually, there's even something deeper I'd like to talk to you about with yeah. this. Right. Yeah. And he can use those things. Sometimes it's those traumatic events that really we can look back later and uh, and I don't know about you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm so grateful for that experience as hard as it was because it changed something inside me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. David, where do you fit into this story? When did you get to know her in this story and how, how was her relationship with food as your relationship developed? Yeah. So uh, we were dating at the time. So we were actually at separate colleges, uh, maybe seven hours apart. So uh, our relationship existed a lot over the phone at that point. Um, uh, but Krista, as she came to sort of uh, uh, realize she was having a problem, she, she got, uh, I think, scared of her actions. And so she talks about, uh, even in the book, she talks about she, she wrote a letter that she had intended to send to me and decided just to call me on the phone and read the letter in sort of desperation. Uh, and that was the first clue I had that there was anything wrong. Uh, and, you know, it was one of the things that I learned as I began to, to study this subject that it's... It's something that can be, uh, uh, people can become very skilled at hiding. And so I would not have known that there was any issue. And of course, being at different colleges, I certainly uh, wasn't around her enough to, to realize anything was going on anyways. Uh, but she called and she read the letter to me and uh, communicated that she was scared of her actions and scared of what was going on. And so, um, you know, at that moment, you know, I had no clue what an eating disorder was. I had no clue what it meant that she was struggling with food or, uh, and so I knew I needed to be involved and proactive. And so I, you know, cared for her. I prayed with her. I let her know that I loved her and was going to be with her uh, through whatever needed to happen. Uh, I offered some simplistic advice that probably wasn't helpful. Some of which she took, which wasn't probably great either, but uh, uh, the Lord worked in the, uh, the best of intentions uh, and so, uh, you know, we began to try and figure out what to do. And I think uh, initially there was a lot of uh, hope and optimism and a desire to be helpful on my part and, and to love uh, at that time my girlfriend really well. Um, 
I think as the process went on and I realized it wasn't going to be a simple fix, uh, I think, you know, my own inadequacy and ineptitude uh, and frustration with the situation began to grow and, and created more problems for us and, and for Krista particularly. So, yeah. yeah. How, how was it? How was having his help, Krista, his and other people? He's because he's, he indicates that so early on, maybe he did some things that were well-meaning, but maybe not as helpful. How did you receive help if you, if you will, and what was helpful and wasn't helpful? Can I ask? Yeah. So I think I was very optimistic about his help at first. And as he kind of expressed as well, that I just thought if I can just get to a place where, cause at the time he was the only one that knew about it and I had not said anything to my family. They didn't know anything. And, um, we kind of formulated a plan together that looking back probably wasn't the best of, of situations. We thought that the both of us could um, tackle this thing and get it done within just months and it would be fine. And so we transferred to the same school and he kind of, um, we, we ate all of our meals together. Um, and from his perspective, it started to get better when um, behind the scenes, it was really getting worse. I was just finding better ways of hiding it and keeping it my own little secret. I felt like because I told him, then I had at least taken the first step to do the right thing. Um, but it was much harder than I thought it was to really shake the habits that I had created. It was much harder and deeper than, than just the, the behavioral patterns that I had created mm. as well. There was something way deeper in my heart yes. that, had, that had already existed there long before I even started treating that, um, that heart issue with, with food or food restriction. So um, there was just so much more there than mm. we could either one ever comprehend. And so we were trying to tackle a problem um, that we thought was very small and, and just, you know, I keep picturing the whole, you know, cliche iceberg scenario yeah. that, you know, we try to go full force at that chunk that was right above the surface when there was just a huge giant iceberg underneath that mm. we had no idea what we were dealing with. Yes. Yeah. You're trying to deal with what's on the surface of something and not realizing how to get it unrooted, if you will. Right. Yeah. So what yeah. was that like in your relationship, David, like when you realized and for Krista too, because you're hiding something from the person who's trying to help you that that had to have been difficult to maneuver as you discovered, actually what I'm seeing is not the, the whole truth. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I think I didn't realize there was more going on until after we got married. So we got married young. We were both 21. Um, uh, we were still in college. Uh, and so we were married, living on our own. And I was suddenly realizing, um, you know, this is a, a bigger issue. Uh, I would find little indications here and there that maybe Krista wasn't being honest about things or, and, and I was immature and ill-prepared. Um, you know, the the usual problems of being young and getting married showed up. And on top of that, then there was this sort of uh, crisis going on for Krista. And so I responded with anger often. Uh, I gave lots of ultimatums. You either fix this or uh, there were times where in my own immaturity and anger, I would threaten divorce or, and I just thought if she would just 
eat that would fix everything. Um, not realizing that there were motivations that were driving her. There were things that she wanted. Uh, uh, So we always say in our counseling program at the church here, we do what we do because we want what we want. And there were things that Krista wanted and that was driving what she was doing. You know, uh, the eating disorder accomplished something for her. It was working in some way that, that mattered for her life. And because I was not mature or patient enough to try and understand that, I was not being very helpful And so I wasn't trying to understand what her motives and desires were and trying to help her uh, reach for those things in healthy and productive ways. So Krista, I'm going to ask you, what did you want? Do you know the answer to that now? What did you want? What kind of was motivating that, that somehow continuing that behavior? Because I I know just the little bit of time I've spent with you, this isn't what you wanted for your relationship. You didn't want to be dishonest with him. I can tell that just by spending this little bit of time with you guys. So what, what was motivating that? Have you discovered that? Well, I think it took even on into like writing the book, discussing the book, like there was just a whole process that, um, that I wasn't even really sure all the time what it was that I want, but I think coming out of it. Um, and I, I have been so thankful for this whole process because while I was better, um, I don't think that I even was as far as I am now, just, um, Hmm. you know, before writing the book, but, So through everything that I've been through, I think I can really come down to the conclusion that for me personally, the issue was always control. I, um, even as a small child, I wanted everything within um, some means to which that I could control it. Like I was just always wanting uh, my outfits to match perfectly. And as I got older, I need all of my grades to be exactly what they needed to be. I, um, you know, I didn't like to play games unless I sat on the sidelines and watched everyone do them and then made sure I could do them just right and do it perfectly. And so, um, and I had already started to feel that when I left for college, just, there was a lot of things that changed. I didn't have that safety anymore. All the control I'd built up, you know, in my, in my small town just sort of disappeared. And I felt like I sort of had to start over again. And so I picture this, you know, when I was, when I was driving right before my accident, the kinds of things that were going through my head at the time were not really very helpful. You know, I was saying things like, you know, you've chosen the wrong major. Nobody likes you. Like, why are you even here? Like just all kinds of very negative things. And, um, and so the, the car accident just kind of woke me up in that arena, but it also, when I hung over that ravine, I was in a place where I could have lived or I could have died and God chose for me to live. And thinking back on it, I didn't know, like, I had never thought through really that much that, that, that was something that could happen in my life. I thought that I had everything under control. And when faced with an aspect of my life that I could not control, it sort of sent me into this huge desire to find at least one thing that I knew that I could capture, that I knew that I could be in control. And that was food and exercise because 
over and over, I could see results out of it. And over and over, I could say yes. And I could say no. And I could, I could just manage that just fine. And it seemed at first to take over where that, like everything else seemed to be lacking. Mm -hmm. So go ahead, David. Sorry. In some sense, it was a, like a overcompensation and effort to control one area because you felt vulnerable in another. Yes. Yeah. Did it pretend to offer peace? Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think some things are so tricky like that where we, th- what we crave most is peace mm-hmm. and it seems like doing this will bring it. And it almost does like it does to a cer- just enough that it keeps us, yeah. thinking that's the thing that will bring it right but it yeah. actually doesn't because on the in the meantime you have this thing in your marriage or you have this thing in your health or you have you know you have these other things that it's creating but it's so hard to let go of because it seems like that will that is what's bringing the little bit of peace yeah it it you know those those behaviors all all sort of destructive behaviors work in a sense they work for us that's why we keep doing them and so uh, you know, in the moment, Krista's feeling good. She's feeling satisfied, but the, it's so short lived. And then, you know, even, you know, for many people who have a weight goal, if they develop destructive habits, you, you reach the goal and it's not enough. Right. It didn't satisfy. So now I have to set a new goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So how do you speak to that? Um, I'll go, oh, David, first, what, what kind of biblical foundation, I know that's really important to you guys, what kind of biblical foundation have you found when you need to speak to that, when, when you are looking for peace in the wrong place, or when you're desiring control, which is really a trust issue, ultimately, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, ultimately, we want to say to people, you can find in the Lord the things that you're wanting and seeking in all these other areas. And so our goal is always to try and direct people to what does the Lord provide both in himself and in his care for us that will draw our heart more towards him. So it's not wrong to want peace. Um, It's not wrong to want contentment. It's uh, uh, um, not wrong to feel insecure and vulnerable and scared but looking to the Lord as the one who provides those things. So, uh, you know, Jesus can say, you know, my peace, I give you. Uh, Jesus can say, I am the Prince of Peace. And so we have this awareness in scripture that the things we want, the Lord invites us to find in him. And so helping, you know, for Krista, it was learning uh, to have a better relationship with the Lord than the one that she thought she had. Uh, So we like to emphasize the character of God. Talk to people about what do you know about who God is and what he says about himself that that can draw our attention and draw our hearts more and more towards him, finding peace and safety and security in him versus in the behaviors, even the destructive behaviors uh, that we think will work for us. Yeah. How about you, Krista? What are some things that you go to, if you will, that just help you remember the truth? Well, I think a huge focus for me became just understanding even just a little bit better um, the identity that I have because I belong to Christ. Um, I think I just was living like I had to strive for this and I had to strive for that and I had to be something. And I'm not sure that I really thought of it in a way that it was going to bring me salvation, but I thought it was certainly going to bring me something. Um, but just to find out that 
so much of that striving and trying was just nothing compared to the actual perfection that Christ lived for me. He lived an entirely perfect life Mm -hmm. that was, you know, without fault. Mm -hmm. And, and he lived for, you know, 33 years, which is almost, you know, close to the age that I am. And I can think of all the times that I have totally messed up and that would be enough, except that he even died for, for me in my place to take my punishment for all those things that I did do wrong. And so all those times that I was trying to live up, uh, live up to something or make up for something, um, was just totally futile. Mm. And to finally realize that I could rest a little bit because I felt like my whole life had just been working, 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 striving, striving all the time. And, and it never felt like enough. Mm. And then just to add on top of that, all of the, the rituals and the rules and all of that, just, it felt, um, crushing, but to really arrive at the fact that Christ had lived on my behalf, a life that I could never live. And he died in my place. So I didn't have to be punished for, for any of that Um, was just revolutionary to me. I didn't have to live the way that I was living anymore because of Christ. I think it's so beautiful that you're willing to share that, that discovery in Christ, even as a Jesus follower. Right. I think so often we we think it's like a one and done thing, but he had so much work to do in you and he has so much work to do in each of us as we continue to bring the things that hurt because we all metaphorically find ourselves upside down hanging over a ravine from time to time. Do we not like these are the moments and I believe that through those moments, as I said earlier, he wants to grow even those who've already chosen him. Right. I mean, maybe especially, I don't know, differently, I guess the ones that have already chosen him to say, actually, I have more. Uh, I want to, I want to share with you, not just these things, but these things in abundance. And it hurts me to watch you. What I have a ministry friend that calls what you're, what you've just been describing our hustle for worthiness, like, stop. I don't want you to do that. You're so tired, right? You're so tired. I feel that in your voice, Krista's, you're just like, it was so exhausting trying to live this way. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. That's great. Yeah. One of the things I admire so much about your project and your willingness to, to, to lend voice to this is I recognize how much work it is for, for a couple to come together and deal with these, not just the eating disorder, but as you said, the things underneath the, the, the difficult places that this problem uh, created, but also that you've had to journey through. And I just imagine, you tell me if I'm right, there have been, every moment has not been blissful, right? (laughs) I'm going to guess with deadlines and editing and figuring out what stories to include and all those kind of things. I would think that there are days that have been difficult and this battle has kind of raised its ugly head again. So I want to ask Krista first, maybe what's your what's your plan? We talk often in this community about things are your, your old habits, your old tendencies are going to rise up. This is, this is something you may deal with. What's our plan? How do we run to the father, if you will, so to speak? So would you just, would you talk about that for us a little bit? How's that been as you've sort of tried to navigate these waters? I think something that I've learned is um, not waiting too long to talk to somebody else about what is happening. Excellent. Excellent. Because I, I, 
I'm not going to lie. I don't do things perfectly. Like I had a really hard year just in, I mean, specifically in just trying to write this book. And there came a moment where I found myself just slowly creeping back into my old habits. And I was like, I am not writing a book about eating disorders just to get an eating disorder again. You know, like I'm not seeing that. Yes. So, but thankfully I had built a better system this time. I knew who to call. I had multiple people to call. Um, and we knew what things looked like and what I should do. And it was a much easier path out. It was, you know, one phone call the next day, a meeting. And then the following day, I, I realized that's not where I want to go, you know? And I had better ways to deal with, with what I wanted to deal with in that way. And so that was so encouraging to me to know, like, I, I'm not perfect. I'm Mm going to mess up. It's, it's what I call just, it'll be my life struggle. It it's um, yeah, it's just there, but I know better how to deal with it. And that has been such an encouragement to me. Like I never would have wanted to have to face another situation like that. But, but when I did, it gave me more power to keep going because Mm. I saw, I saw what the, the actual steps that I, that he and I wrote about in the book being acted out Mm. and, and they, and they helped me. And so um, that, that was more encouraging than having not to have gone through it at all. I, I thank you for sharing that. I love that. I I re- relate to it so much. I remember a time a while back when I was sort of crying out to the Lord in desperation saying, I just want to be better. Like, why am I here again with some of the things that I'm dealing with? And why am I here again? And I was crying out to him and I just felt his goodness cover me and say, this is better because you're in the floor crying to me, right? Mm-hmm. This, and so w- w- you are doing better. This is not weak. This is strong for you to to honestly say, I'm struggling right now. I, I'm facing this again, you know? And, and what I hear you saying is, you know, yes, I know this is something that's gonna crawl back into my life from time to time. And the Lord and his goodness has given me ways that I can overcome mm-hmm. that, continue to walk that. So I'm gonna ask David that question kind of because I know, you've said, you know, sometimes when you see her struggling, then that brings up stuff in you that maybe she's not the one that can hear She's already struggling. Right. And so your anger doesn't help or your disappointment right. doesn't help. What do you do when you see this challenge rising up again? Yeah. You know, in, in one sense, the two things that come to my mind in the one sense, my answer is very similar to hers in that I need to have people to talk to. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, one of the things that often it's gets neglected by helpers is that they don't get help themselves. Uh, and that's how we get a lot of compassion fatigue and burnout and all those kinds of things. And so being able to talk to other people and say, I feel frustrated about this. I feel annoyed that this is happening or angry about this or, uh, and so being able to have some people that I can just have as a sounding board and an encouragement and a prayer and, um, you know, remind me of good truths. The other thing I think is helpful in those situations is um, a practice that's sometimes called self-soothing. And this idea of just sort of talking to myself and saying, this isn't about you. It's not a threat to you. You love this person. Uh, You know, she's struggling. She's feeling upset. You can respect her feelings about this and not make them about you. And so trying to practice that, which is very difficult and I'm not always very good at, but making that 
practice of, of trying to remove myself and my emotions from the dynamic and just remind myself, I love this person. She's having a hard time and you can be compassionate and patient with her in the midst of that. I, th- thank you. It's so beautiful. I think one of the things that the Lord has taught me so much the last few years is to deal with today and not to try to paint it done. That's one, what's something we use in our house sometimes where I'm like, I can't paint this done, you know, or my husband will say, no, we can't right now. We can't do that right now. Um, we need to deal with today. And um, that keeps me in check sometimes because I can get overwhelmed by it, whatever it happens to yeah. be for us. Yeah, yeah. This has been so delightful. Um, I I, I appreciate your encouragement is so raw. It's so rich. And we just, we learn from you and your, your willingness to share your story. I like to close always on this question. I'm going to pose it first to Krista. What are you right now? I love to share resources. Anything goes, what are you reading, studying, listening to doing uh, anything uh, that's keeping you connected to God and bringing you joy? Well, this past year, I really have been studying the book of Exodus. And um, at first I was reluctant. It just seems long and, you know, all the things that have deterred me from it before. But And um, half of it's about building a tabernacle, right? Yeah. Like, why do I need to know about the wood and the overlays? <laughs> yeah. so I've encouraged here lately that I've seen some Bible studies actually coming out about um, Exodus. But um but just to see the whole like Christian life played out in a way that just made sense to me that I can, I can really see myself in so many of these positions, even though it's not exactly the same. And it just gives me encouragement um, to, to know that God is always with me. And there's a reason for all of it that's greater than I, than I am. And um, if I just keep um, being obedient. And that's something that I have even been able to encourage some of my counselees with is just, even when there's just a mess all around you to just continue to move forward in obedience. Um, it's what I apply to my own self when I feel like I'm in a major struggle. It's just, you know, all we're asked for is obedience and just, just keep going in that obedience and don't let the other things, um, like sway you to the other side. Yeah. It's been so encouraging to me. Good. And I love in that story so much. It's hard, but they even when they grumble, even when they're, you know, there weren't their graves in Egypt, we should have died there. You know, all of this, his love and his protection, his presence with them is unchanging. It never fails. And that, that part of that story gives me such encouragement too, because I'd, I'd like to say, why did they do that? Why did they, why couldn't they just see? But if I'm honest, I'm like, well, it's the same reason you don't, right? Because your circumstances get uncomfortable. And so you, you look for a, a different way or someone else to blame or an idol to build. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for that. David, what about you? Anything that you're studying, listening to? Yeah. Yeah. Two, two things uh, come to my mind real quick. Uh, so our leadership team read through this book, and then I'm reading through it again with a, a, a friend. Uh, it's a book by a counselor uh, named Dr. Michael Emlett. It's called Saints, Sufferers, and Sinners. Uh, and the book is really about how the Lord approaches us through the lens of those three categories. We're all saints, sufferers, and sinners if we're believers. Uh, saints, sufferers, sinners. Yes. And um, 
uh, and it's how the Lord approaches us that way and then invites us to approach other believers that same way, to interact with them through those same three lenses. Uh, so it's really a wonderful tool. It's a, an encouragement and a blessing and then also a framework for uh, both just discipleship and spiritual friendship and all those good things with other people. And then the other thing is uh, we've sort of had in our house on repeat this song, uh, a worship song um, by a musician named Maddie Mullins. Uh, M-A-T-T-Y, Maddie Mullins, uh, called Show You the Cross. Uh, just a beautiful picture of, uh, you know, suffering and heartache and uh, feelings of doubt and, and hurt um, and uh, not being able to have the words to say to someone else, oh, this will make it all better for you, but pointing to the cross and showing Jesus as the one who suffered, the one who has solidarity with sufferers, the one who knows what it is to be betrayed, the one who loves and whose suffering is love for us. And so it's just a beautiful song that we just kind of continue to listen to and be encouraged by uh, both as counselors, sometimes knowing there aren't words. You just, you just want to point people to Jesus, but also for our own souls, knowing uh, that Jesus showing ourselves again, the cross uh, as a, a means of comfort and hope. Thank you for sharing those. And, and thank you so much for your, your willingness, your dedication to do the hard work inside you both individually and together. Cause this is like, it's three parts, right? It's Krista's work. It's David's work. It's the couple's work. It's the family's work. It's all of this that then is able to be put into something that we can hold and receive encouragement uh, from. And so thank you for just staying the course, if you will, in your own journey, but then just in that riding journey that can, can be laborious and it's a, it's a labor of love. And we are grateful for you and your willingness to share your story and for your time today. Thank you so much for being well, thank with you. us. That's very kind. Yeah. That's yeah. Thank you. We will sign off for now. And until next time, peace. Disordered eating is not a part of my story, but what is a part of my story is searching for peace in places that will never deliver it. Yes, it may satisfy me for a moment, but true peace is found only in Jesus Christ. It's a lesson I've been slow to learn and one that I need to relearn from time to time, but also something that has changed my heart from shaky to stable. I so appreciate David and Krista's honesty their willingness to use their lives as an illustration of God's love and grace helps all of us to better see His love and grace in our lives, too. If you haven't already, I hope you'll subscribe to the Study On podcast today. When you're subscribed, you'll automatically see the new episodes plus any bonus material. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.